Welcome to Karen the Load podcast. I've got Jen Spencer here with me again. It was interesting as we finished our recording yesterday that we, as we were chatting, there was so much more that needed to be shared. And and we said, you know, it's better to just record part two now versus waiting, you know, a month or two down the road because there's so much heartache in the world today and and so many things that that Jen was sharing with me that I really truly believe can can be a benefit and a blessing to those of you our friends who are listening to this today so Jen thank you for being here again today thank you thank you for inviting me and for letting me share this I found out more about your story yesterday, which was um, so powerful. And for those of you that you might just be listening to this as the first podcast, let me give you a little um, recap of yesterday's podcast that you can go back and listen to. But Jen um, was homeless for a period of time. She was a dealer. She had a a very expensive addiction to meth and other things. Um, She found love, love for her brother, love for God, love for so many things. It was the love that motivated her to be able to, to take some steps in her life that now has allowed her to start a foundation, a foundation called the Turtle Shelter Project, which is something that uh, they use technology to to um, to produce, create clothing that helps homeless um, individuals to survive those deadly winters. So, Jen, um, if you wouldn't mind, you know, just picking it up a little bit. We we talked so much about so many things yesterday, but there was one thing that happened that we didn't really dive into at the time, but we wanted to go back and discuss. And that was what happened to you after your brother died. After my brother died, I, um, I remember being shocked. Um, for some reason I had it in my head that, uh, I guess I wasn't surprised that he had died. Um, but I had always, kind of assumed that it would have been a drug overdose um, because of all the overdoses that he had had throughout his addiction. Um, I was floored and uh, it rocked me to my core to find out that he had shot himself. Um, And it, I struggled a lot with that. Uh, I've been sober for five years. Um, I've, I already had lost 
uh, one sibling since since getting clean. Um, my my sister died in uh, let's see nine months after I got clean. It was like a few days after I had graduated from rehab, and her death was a heroin overdose. And um, oh man, I am so sorry, Jen. Thank you. It it was her death was very, very, very painful. Um, however, I'm not sure how to explain it, but I, I felt like, um, I felt peace about her death from day one. Um, almost as if to know that this was, uh, the Lord's plan for her have any other way to to explain why I felt at peace but I felt like a comfort from God that this was this was something he did um he took her anyway when John died it was very different because of the intention behind it this was his his choice and his intention and I remember throughout my recovery um, you know, I t- touched on it a bit yesterday about how, you know, when I got clean, it was t- so that I could be an example for John and for my sister, Jonna. Um, I, that was what motivated me to stay clean during those times that it was really, really hard. Um, the times that I, I had weak moments where, I wanted to relapse. I wanted to reach back out to old friends. And I remember that, um, you know, every time I got to the point where I felt like I wanted to uh, get high to deal with the pain I was feeling, I would remember them. And the reason that I was doing what I was doing, um, I would I would like to kind of give an example, um, if that's OK with you. It is. Before you started to that example, one of my thoughts here, when you talk about the difference of your sister versus your brother, I think sometimes when you thought it, you know, it was it was God's will, it was the Lord's will. And I think, you know, he loves us. You know, so much of our conversation yesterday was on love. Yeah. And I I truly believe deep in my heart that it was for you to feel that love that she would she could get help in a way that she couldn't hear that, that pain, that suffering that led her to the drugs that, you know, maybe now there's a way that she could, could have some healing. And then I also understand the difference because of that intention. So yeah, go ahead. But I I just thought, wow, that's, that's very striking in, in the difference between the two. Yes. And I remember, I remember when I very, very, very first got into recovery, um, they used to, at the the recovery meetings I would go to, there would be a moment of silence at the beginning of each meeting. And the moment of silence was for the addict who was still suffering. And they would say, say a prayer uh, that, that they can find their way into this room, into these rooms. And I remember feeling a distinct impression that that was not what I was supposed to pray for. Um, not that I 
don't want people to find their way into recovery, but the the distinct impression I you know I felt like I had a very clear uh, relationship with Heavenly Father that would uh, um, that I don't know it kind of just changed the way that I would pray for things and and I would get insight that um, what I felt was important was to not pray that they would find their way into the room but to because I I had an understanding that recovery isn't necessarily for everyone. The way I was getting clean and going through the 12 step recovery process wasn't the way it's not the way everybody gets 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 out of this. And so what I started to pray for was that anyone who was still suffering that um that their hearts would be open and that God could find a way to get into their heart and change it, change their heart, soften their heart so that he could, so their heart would be open to him and he could guide them and direct them in the way that he saw fit. We were talking about yesterday is he knows what's best. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you prayed for his heart, because you felt that pain and he, let you know that he was the master healer, right? Yeah. Something towards that. And and I think um, for me, as well as, you know, for you, from what you've shared, and really for all of us, that healing comes from him. And and we can do our best and we can go through all those those processes, but the real lasting healing is through him healing our heart. Yeah. Um, so, so, so back to my, um, my examples, uh, there was a, there was an incident when I, I think I was, I was in rehab and I had been clean for maybe four months, something like that. And I remember having this, you know, I went from being, uh, always surrounded by friends, you know, in the drug world, you know, everyone, of course, you know, they want to be where the drugs are. Right. And I went from going to having friends everywhere to having no friends at all. Um, I had to leave all that behind and walk away from it, um, to, to, to start this new journey of recovery. And it was very, very lonely. I had zero friends. I had one friend and it was the lady who had taught me how to pray basically, um, uh, that I talked about yesterday. Anyway, she had a family, she was busy. Um, you know, she couldn't give me every waking moment. (laughs) I just needed a friend, but I remember just going into this Depression, wanting so badly to hang out with someone who wanted to be around me just to sit and laugh and have a good time like I used to. And I remember, I mean, it was painful, so painful because I, you know, when I had painful experiences back in the day, I would just get high and that would take it all away. So I, I was just wanting so bad because I just felt awkward everywhere I went. You know, I was sober. I didn't know how to be me. I, I didn't know how to be normal. I was crying all the time. Anyway, so I was having this extreme moment of just 
sadness and and loneliness and and it was so interesting because the moment I had this thought, I get a phone call and it was it was almost like the other side, the dark side could like sense my misery. And um, it was my sister-in-law, the same the same one I, I talked about yesterday who asked me to get her high, my brother's wife. Anyway, um, and she's like, Jen, we miss you so bad. You need to come hang out with us. We love you. Oh, we miss you so bad. I mean, she went on and on and on. It was just like, this is exactly what I was talking about. I wanted someone to like, want to hang out with me. And, and she's like, yeah, you just come up here and hang out with us for a few days. Like we, we just miss you so much. And she goes, we, we, you know, we're both on heroin now. John, you know, John, John had gotten back into drugs right as I got off drugs, we passed like ships in the night. I got clean and he got, he relapsed. And it was so devastating to me. Um, but I remember her just saying, yeah, he, I mean, we're both using heroin now. And I, I mean, but it's okay. We'll, you know, just come hang out with us. And, and, and I remember having this moment, like when I got off the phone with her, like I wanted to go up there so bad. But at the same time, I mean, I'm grateful, so grateful that she told me what was really going on, you know, that they were both using. Um, but I had this uh, I had this moment. It was a vision I saw. I, I can't describe it as any other way. Um, and I saw myself, you know, not being able to sit with this momentary uh, uh, loneliness that I was feeling and and. So I saw myself going up there and hanging out with people, laughing and having a good time and, you know, not a care in the world. And and then I saw myself uh, showing signs of the depression that I was in and John picking up on that and seeing, like sensing how miserable I was and and feeling bad for me. And I saw him and his wife getting me heroin which I've never done heroin before. This was an interesting vision. It was like, uh, I could feel every aspect of it. And I saw him getting me heroin and I saw me doing it and I saw me dying. And I saw this path of destruction that it caused for years and years and years down the road. Like, and it was a vivid, vivid experience for me. And then I remembered a a blessing that I had gotten, uh, from, from someone in my church, uh, years ago. And this blessing didn't make sense to me at the time. Um, but suddenly like it made sense to me now. And in this blessing, I remember, uh, when I got this blessing, I had been, I was supposed, I was getting kicked out of my house. I was going to be homeless the very next day. Um, I was going to end my life. I had a plan. I wasn't going to get kicked out of my house. I just was going to, you know, kill myself in the living room. It was, I had a plan and everything. And I remember being at my friend's house the night before and them sending me home. And I remember knowing what I was going to go do and being terrified about that and asking my friend if her dad would give me this blessing um, of comfort I, I don't know what it was I was needing, but I need, I knew I needed help or else because I was afraid to die. And so he gave me this blessing and, um, 
in this blessing, it told me that my purpose here was great and that I was going to be instrumental in the healing of my family, even for generations. And I remember thinking at the time, God doesn't know me. Like if he knew me, he would know that I don't really have anything to do with my family right now. Like there, there's no way I'm going to be instrumental in anything regarding, you know, helping my family. They hate me. And I, you know, I felt so ashamed. I couldn't even be around them, you know? And so, uh, I hated me. And anyway, so that blessing at the time didn't make sense. Um, but, but it did stop me from doing what I was intending to do. Like I, it was, gave me this glimmer of hope, but in this, so, so back to when I was having this vision about dying and, and hanging around my brother and dying, um, suddenly my mind shifted to that blessing and the, the promises in that blessing. And I realized in that instant that I was, that I had a duty to be an example for my brother and my sister and my sister-in-law, you know, I was in treatment for a specific reason. And that was to show John, you know, be a strong person for him when he relapsed. Like that was the whole point of me going to treatment. That was the desire God gave me to get clean was because of that love for my brother. And I, if I can't sit with this moment of like intense depression and uncomfortableness, then it was, it's all lost. You know what I mean? Like I needed, if I, if I wanted to, to do what I set out to do, and that was be an example for him, I needed to just sit in this moment of loneliness and pain and know and trust that if I hold on to God, this moment is going to pass and it's, it's going to pass. I mean, it may pass like a kidney stone, but it's going to pass, you know, that was one of those moments where I re I realized like I cannot relapse. I can't afford to relapse. And when Jonna died, it was hard. I mean, as as much as I felt peace, I I knew that if I relapsed in that moment, if I allowed that to be the reason I fell, what's going to happen to John? You know what I mean? I stayed clean through Jonna dying and I made sure and I put my whole heart and soul into making sure that I stayed strong. So that John could see that that it's still possible, even with losing somebody that I totally loved. And then when John died, four years later, when John took his life, I remember that's when I started feeling absolutely defeated. And I said this prayer and was just like, it didn't work. You know, I I did what I was supposed to do. I did what I promised I would do. And I stayed clean and I and I I remained a good example for him and it didn't work he didn't he didn't ever get clean and he didn't he didn't even want to live and and I felt like such a failure you know and I remember just I mean this it's like um I really got a stern talking to by God because it was like Jen just because he chose not to stay on this earth. And just because he chose not to stay clean doesn't mean you failed. You have no control over what he chose to do. 
but there's still somebody else's brother out there who's struggling and there's somebody else's sister or mother or father or or friend you know there's somebody else out there that's struggling to get clean and doesn't feel like they can do it and has no hope that it's possible and if they can't look at you and see that you just suffered the most devastating blow of your entire life and see that you're still clean and that you're still trying and you're not going to let this tip you over, like that is powerful. And somebody else needs to see that other addicts, people need to see that it is possible not to let this destroy you. Everything that you're sharing here is so powerful. You know, I, I'm relating to it, even though, you know, my addictions are not drugs. I, I had a friend who said to me, we all have addictions. I'm like, no, nah, no. Nah. <laughs> she goes, well, what about food? Like, oh, you know, there's different. And it was like this light bulb went off. And I, all of a sudden I started recognizing what I do to comfort me, right? Um and and I thought, wow, you know, this is powerful. But can I just go back a couple of things? I didn't want to interrupt, but I don't want to lose sight of some of these things that you shared. Where specifically, you know, I think it's so interesting to me. You're planning on going home and and taking your life. Yet you ask for a blessing. And a blessing is for those of you um, may not know what she's talking about. It's a special prayer. Someone is praying for you in your behalf and asking um, for some specific blessings for you. And so here you're, you're, you reach out to God. This is so interesting in everything that you did along the way. But that loneliness is powerful. Loneliness is it is it is so hard and debilitating (laughs) it can't is a key key word i love i love that word because it is and and so here you're just you're just wanting to feel loved right i mean it comes still comes down to love yes absolutely and then gratefully i mean what a miracle that your sister-in-law told you hey we're doing heroin again I mean, (laughs) there was no question of what they were doing. I wonder if they're clean. I wonder if they're not. You knew. Which then was this other choice. Um, But, you know, so you go back to here. I want to end my life because I'm so lonely. I am so paralyzed. I can't handle this anymore. But then you go visit a friend because you're reaching out. You ask for a blessing, you feel you didn't understand, but again, it was out of duty, or can I switch that word to love? Yes. It was out of love that you didn't end your life, which is powerful. So then you go on to, you know, here's here's all these other things and this desire to be clean. And when you're, you know, you pointed out how you didn't, think it worked. Your being clean didn't work is what you thought, right? Because in your mind, your being clean would work. If it worked, it meant A, B, and C equals D. 
it meant getting what my vision of it was supposed to be. We don't always know what's best. I am not here to judge anyone who takes their life because I don't know what's going on inside. All I know is they are hurting. Yes. They are in so much pain. But it was a choice your brother made. I do believe in generational healing. There are some incredible things that have happened in my personal life. And we've got podcasts on this, on generational healing that takes place. And it's amazing. So, Jen, it's happening. It's happening in a way that you didn't see or you didn't envision. And it will continue to happen. It goes forward and backwards, you know, generations to come and those who have gone behind. And, you know, your nieces and your nephews, there is power in that. And I think if you look back in your DNA, there's probably some... um, Definite things going on with DNA and addictions. I don't see how your family there. Here's you've talked to me about three of you. Um, actually, just to you just touched on something that I I would I feel like might be important to share is when my brother died. Um, I got a call from my my a different brothers. I have seven brothers, so my. His, his wife called me and asked me if I would talk to my niece who just so happened to be struggling with drug addiction. And it was like, okay, now she needs the example. So, so I do have, you know, some nieces and nephews that are kind of going down this same line that, that I can see that this could benefit them now. And so here you have, it's another generation, right? You thought it was your, your brother, but here you're going down a line. And what greater thing and gift of love can you offer them? I am pretty darn positive there's a genetic trait you all have of that addiction. Yeah. And I used to, well, I kind of still joke about it. But I think if I would have taken a drink of alcohol or some drugs, I would have been addicted first time. As I've learned more about me and the process of numbing because of the pain and different things, I can see that I would have gone that route. And as I've looked and learned more about some of my my family line, I've seen that there are alcoholism and, and other different things. And I haven't had to look very hard to find that. So I, I do think that's a part of this. And so, Jen, um, the vision is is very much broader than what you thought it was when you went into recovery. Absolutely. So powerful. <laughs> well, it's it is interesting because you sometimes you don't realize the influence that you can have on another person until until you're actually becoming an influence on another person. Does that make sense? Because I've always been a horrible influence, I think, on... We can be an influence for good, and we can yeah. be an influence for bad, right? Sure. I've demonstrated the bad influence for so many years that like, it's almost like that's how I look at myself now. And it's... But it is changing, you know? It's 
and it's changing drastically. You have changed drastically, and your influence has changed drastically. You know, they're night and day, and, and the good that you're doing in the world is is just incredible. I, I'm a people watcher, and I have always watched people and and I thought, wow, you know, people that I that I have looked up to, or things that you know, I've watched how they've raised their children, for example, or and I thought, wow, I really like how they've done that, and and their kids are pretty amazing, and so you know, maybe if I incorporated that in in how I parent, or I really like this over here, how could I incorporate that in my life? I, I would do that, and so you know, I look at Karen Lode. And and Karen's, you know, they're those trail markers. You know, if you've seen them on a hike, out on, you know, on the trails or in a journey, anciently, they go back to tell people you're on the right path. Yes. And I look at that and, and symbolically, I've looked to people to find out if I was on the right path. You look to people. They're looking to you now, Right. And, and following that example. And you can say, oh, I want to go, you know, either way, but they could find if they were on the right path by that trail marker that you left. True. And so there's, it's so powerful in everything that we're doing. And, and so I, I love how you bring this back down to love. You know, you called it your duty. What what drives us personally? What is the motivation behind whatever we're doing? And if it's for good, then I think we're on the right track. If it's for a negative thing, for power, control, for whatever that is, then maybe not so much. I agree completely. I just... I think this is amazing in, in just how we can reflect on different things. So how did your conversation go with your niece? <laughs> kind of in progress. I I mean. You can't force it on her. No, and you, no, not at all. And so I just let her know that I'm here if she ever needs to talk, if she ever wants to talk and she reaches out when she's, when she needs to, and just making myself available to her is, you know, it's important, but also I'm not trying to convert anyone into doing what I've done. Um, I just want to, to, to lead by example, I guess. Um, and, and I stress the point that if I can get clean and live, live a life like I am today and, you know, then anybody can, because I was that hopeless case. I was never going to quit until I died. And that was my position for so long. So for me to be clean and sober today, and even for me to be happy, like it's proof that God is a God of miracles. That's all I can say. And and if I can do it, anybody can do it because I didn't want to do it. It goes back to that prayer of your desire, you know, change yeah. your desire and and um, and I think for all of us, that's a great place to start in, in what is our desire and who do we want to, where do we want to go and how do we want to feel and to be able to um, 
sit with the pain, the loneliness, that in and of itself is so, it is debilitating. One of the things for me that I have learned a lesson with, um, with COVID and there have been really, you know, as hard as it's been, there are so many positives and so many miracles along the way, if we want to look at it. And I'm someone that when I, when I was really, I could feel that I was starting to kind of struggle and I could feel these things coming up and I, and I needed that, um, that love and that connection and that assurance from, from others that I, that I look to, that I, that I look to for, um, as a, as mentors and, and just people in my life. And all of a sudden I couldn't go. Right. Cause we're on, we're, we're being told, be careful, you know, self-isolate, do all these things so that you don't get sick and we don't pass it around. It was one of the most difficult things for me to go through because all of a sudden I couldn't go out. I couldn't reach out. I couldn't use the tools that I had, that I had been using and I had to learn to sit with that loneliness. And it, it's different. It's a different loneliness. I mean, I, I I love my husband. I love that, you know, and he's here with me. And, and it's not like I couldn't pick up the phone and talk to someone. But it was different, you know, and it's this different connection and, and that different need. But I learned that it was okay to become a friend to myself. Does that kind of resonate? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you almost have to, you have to learn how to rely on what you have around you. Right. I, I, uh, I lost, I mean, I, I kind of had similar situation where, you know, I was doing recovery meetings each week and um, suddenly those were like off the table and it took a while before people realized, Oh, we could do zoom meetings. You know what I mean? Or, uh, virtual meetings, but but those first few weeks leading up to that were hard because and Zoom meetings just aren't the same. They're not the same, but I'm so grateful that technology has allowed us to do things. I mean, you and I are not in the same room. Mm-hmm. Here we are um, using technology so that we can record this. Um, so as hard as that was for you and I, and, and I know for so, so many people, it has given us a gift to be able to, for me, and, and you know, I, I don't want to be speaking for you if it's not correct, to settle my mind, to learn how to, to, to go inside, to pray in more, you know, that, that God was be, even became more of my father. And to have that chat and that communication and to rely differently on different things. And honestly, I feel like I am even, um, I have healed. I've become stronger. I've become more uh, determined, if you will, in, in my desire to help others. In, in whatever way that, that looks like, I, I see and my desire to be an influence for good and, and, and to be able to, to help others to not feel alone. Yeah, I've, I've kind of experienced that same thing. Um, at, at first, it was, 
you know, everything as far as, you know, even my turtle shelter, like what I do to stay, to stay clean, sober and happy is I serve. And when I lost all those opportunities to serve, like it was, I struggled bad, like (laughs) it was hard. And then, you know, little by little, like, you know, oh, we could make masks or, you know, we could, there's still things we can do to serve. It doesn't have to be all turtle shelter. You know what I mean? Like, like there's other ways that, that we can be of service to other people. And so I, you know, my life being so much about service, I had to look for other opportunities to serve because that's what feeds me. And we find that they were all around. Yes, everywhere. I mean, yeah, it's, it's all about looking for it. You've got to, you know, when same thing, like with God's hand in your life, you know, if you, if you're not noticing thousands of miracles every day, you're not looking hard enough. They're there. They are there every single day. And so pray to recognize those. You know what I mean? That's one thing that I do. I I pray to recognize his hand in my life and the miracles that I see around me each day, not just my own, but other people's. And same thing with service. Pray to find, I mean, help me see those opportunities and or even just show me how, how how to find them, like where they are. They're everywhere, and it's been amazing to me how if I have those eyes to see, if I take the time to look, and I, I've kind of made a game out of it, and I, it, there are all these hidden opportunities. Where can I find that hidden opportunity today? And it's it's just changing our mindset. It's looking with a different set of eyes putting on those glasses in a different way. Okay, today's, you know, right now I'm looking for this hidden opportunity here or this, how how this miracle happened here. I want to see and recognize and be grateful for those opportunities. Well, Jen, in closing, I just want to thank you. Thank you so much for your willingness to share your story, your willingness to to sit with that loneliness and the pain so that you could continue on and love. I do have something else to touch on. Just don't give up hope. I mean, really, that that that's honestly, there is hope. And I just hope people realize that if hope is a real thing, it's a powerful thing, and we all need it to keep going. Together, we are stronger. So, friends, thank you for joining us again with uh, our Care in the Load podcast. This has been Jen Spencer with the Turtle Shelter Project. We will have her um, foundation and bio in our show notes so that you can find them if you're interested in helping in any way with the the project and and moving forward and and, uh, helping those in your community who may be homeless and who may need um, some of these these clothing um, that will help them to survive those those desperate cold winter nights. Can I just add something um, now that you brought that up? Um, we have relied uh, the majority of our of our help with Turtle Shelter Project has been these big huge events where 
volunteers come and meet and work together for a couple hours or whatever. Um, people, we need people who are willing to sew from home because we can't have events right now. And in order to get these made for the homeless in time for the winter, um, that is something if anybody's wanting to help, we, we could really use people who are willing to sew from home. Thank you for letting us know. And if any of you are looking for an opportunity to serve and to lift and to bless those, this is a, a great way to do it. We all need to um, do our part to help those in, in a different way that we haven't, um, maybe we haven't seen as an opportunity or known that this was an opportunity to do so. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you've enjoyed our conversation with Jan Spencer of the Turtle Shelter Project. Each of us have a story to share. Author Brene Brown reminds us that owning our story is the bravest thing you will ever do. The stories and experiences our guests share inspire us as well as help us to grow and connect with others. We invite you to become a part of Karen the Load community through social media as well as to share Karen the Load with those you know. We are stronger together. Keep on, Karen. Mm-hmm.